Hello, friends. Welcome to our first, very first episode of our new podcast, Premeditated. I'm Katie. And I'm Kate. And we are so excited to share our passion of true crime with you guys today and every week going forward. And you might ask yourself, like, how is your guys's podcast different than other true crime podcasts? And, uh, you know, the answer is probably not too much different. Probably not. But uh, we we do have uh, one caveat about that is uh, we're going to be covering some not very well known cases uh, that we have found fascinating. So if you're looking for Ted Bundy, Ed Gain, Edmund Kemper, those sorts of things, you uh, came to the wrong place. Yeah, if there's a Netflix episode about it, we're probably not going to cover it. Yeah, so probably not. It's not a promise. Don't uh, hold no, us to it because no. you just never know. Uh, this, this podcast isn't going to have any rules, except we're going to try to cut back on the chit chat. (laughs) Uh, we will, I do tend to tell stories and Katie will keep me in line on that. Yeah. Try really hard anyway, but yeah, we will try and keep the chit chat to a minimum and keep the true crime to a maximum. Woo! (laughs) So Katie, how did you first become interested in true crime? Yeah. So I, I'd say my passion came about right around 2008. I was taking a criminal law class in uh, Madison. I went to college at UW Madison. So shout out to my alma mater. Go Um, Badgers. Yeah, go Badgers. Um, My fantastic criminal law professor, his name is Donald Downs. Shout out Donnie boy. I doubt you're listening, but if you are, (laughs) I love you, man. Um, You're going to have to send him that. I know, I will. (laughs) Totally. Be like the only shout out that he's ever got. Yeah. He's a fantastic professor. And he anyway, he in in the class that I took with him, he actually assigned the book that I'm going to talk about today. And so that is where my passion came from. After assigning this book, I was like, what is this? True crime? What? Ooh. Yep. And I became obsessed. And ever since. You were kind of a late bloomer then. Yeah, I know. Ever since then, I've been like every time I meet someone, I'm like, hey, how do you feel about murder? And like, if they look at me like I don't ever want to talk to you again, then I'm like, bye. Yeah. Yeah. I make lots of things real awkward uh, by bringing up true crime. I think my interest started, my interest started uh, from my my good old daddy, Dickie Poo, Dickie Poo Higgins. Shout out to Dickie Poo. He's yeah, not going to listen to this. No, so. He won't. And if he does, he'll be like, oh, Jesus Christ. Kate. <laughs> so, um, but I was the only seven-year-old that uh, had their father uh, showing them The Shining and uh, that watching episodes of Unsolved Mysteries like Robert Stack uh, and Forensic Files. Um, yeah, so I, I have grown up with an interest in this, in true crime. My family thinks it's gruesome, but you know. But your dad also like sees ghosts. So yeah, I mean, my dad sees what is, people. So yeah, what? That was, a, that was a normal thing to grow up with. But, so what really is gruesome, you know? I know. Like, yeah, that's where my interest came from. But it is yeah. something we love to talk about. Kate and I have chatted about it many times and we're like, heck, let's go on a podcast about this. Yeah. We're funny. Yeah. People will laugh at us. Yeah. Or, or mostly we'll laugh at each other. Um, it's mostly for us. Yeah. But if you're listening, we appreciate it. All right. Well, All we're right. going to let Katie get started on this. Yes. Oh, and that's the other thing. Every Each each week, one of us will come up with a case. We're not going to tell each other what the case is. So we'll yeah. be surprised when we hear it. because. So I have no idea what she's going to talk about, but I have a general idea because I peek through her windows at night. <laughs> Side note, she's my neighbor, so it's not as creepy as it sounds, though it is still creepy. Uh, All right. Uh, Well, on that note, why not start (laughs) talking about murder? All right. Well, I am going to start today uh, by talking about The Killing of Bonnie Garland. That is the book that was assigned to me back in the good old days, 2008. Donnie Downs assigned The Killing of Bonnie Garland by Willard Galen, Dr. Willard Galen, I should say. And it just like sparked my interest in true crime. So I figured... And I actually, I should say like when I've had a dream of making a podcast for years um, and I always knew that this would be the first case that I wanted to talk about. So, uh, so I am going to start today by talking about the murder of Bonnie Garland. Okay. So let's start by talking about Bonnie Garland. Uh, Bonnie was born in 1957 to her parents, Paul and Joan Garland. Both Paul and Joan were from poorer families that grew up. Uh, you know, with hard times, Paul had to work really hard to make something of himself. They met at Yale and within a couple of years, they got married. Paul went on to Harvard Law where he graduated at the top of his class, went on to establish a really 
prominent international law firm. Wow. So he went from Yale to Harvard. Yeah. So okay. he was, he has a background at both Yale and Harvard, but like I said, like him and his wife were pretty poor growing up. So I think that that like, like hard work ethic was really ingrained in, into Paul mm-hmm. and Joan as well. But Paul was kind of described as like sort of unemotional, a little bit detached. Whereas Joan was lots of people described her as like, uh, like a social worker type, like super kind, super caring, like kind of looking out for people, even if she also had a little bit of that, like upper class detached sort of oh. style. Oh. So Bonnie was like, quote unquote, a Yaley. Dad and mom went to Yale. So she grew up like with that lifestyle. And like I said, Paul was an international lawyer. So he established a law firm in Brazil and New York, both places as Bonnie was growing up. So she actually grew up living in both Brazil and New York. Oh, So when they were in New York, she lived in a, in a town just kind of like north of New York City, Scarsdale. And she attended the Madeira School, which apparently is like a really prominent like preparatory school. Bonnie, and I'm just gonna this the book, The Killing of Bonnie Garland, this book was written in like the 70s. And so there's definitely some language and like descriptions in here that I don't, I'm not like super fond of. And oh, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. But <laughs> it really, they really harped uh, not only in this book, but in other sources about Bonnie's appearance. And I hate that in general. But in this case, did they call her homely? No, no, they did not use homely. Thank God. Oh my God, I hate that. But word. I know lots of people thought she was. I'm just gonna say what they said. They they called her like unattractive. They were like she wasn't particularly attractive. She had red hair. She wasn't like your stereotypical like blonde bombshell. You know, she was normal size. She had red hair and she was also like personality wise. She was super, she was independent. She was just like very like. Which is intimidating. Yeah, she was very intimidating. So I think that that played into people's description of her. But uh, but a lot of people also describe her as like having this like unrecognized or like. Or like, like an like an asexual vibe or no like, no like like oh she, she didn't realize that she put out right. a certain okay yes, yes, okay exactly like just the, she didn't know the power that she had over yes exactly men, or like, that's exactly like it right. was an allure that she wasn't aware of absolutely okay that's a great okay. way to put it so so that was Bonnie now I want to talk a little bit about uh, the other kind of key player in this his name is Richard Heron so Richard was born in 1954 in East LA to. Linda Ugarte and Jim Heron. Um, his mother was Mexican American and his father was Irish. So, so, so basically, okay. So I'm thinking of the time period, 1954, LA, Irish and Mexican American. I will also say I have a lot more information about Richard because that's like, unfortunately I could find a lot more. Um, after this, the Garland's kind of kept to themselves. So there's not a ton of information out there. Like they didn't do a lot of interviews. They weren't like looking for publicity. So there's a lot more information though. If you think about it, yeah, you, we always know more about the killers than we do about the victims. That's very true. They're, they're gone. So we rely on their family to tell their story. And if their families are willing, which whatever, which like, I get it for whatever reason, but, but yeah, in this case, particularly like Richard talked to a lot of people. We know a lot about Richard, but unfortunately with Bonnie, it's not the same. So his father was an alcoholic, unfortunately, and he left the family. Kate can say that because she's Irish. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Please. If you're Irish, don't don't get offended. But yeah, father was alcoholic, left them when uh, Richard was three. And then he never had any contact with his dad ever again. Like, I'll talk about this a little bit more later on. But Richard's personality is very sort of like unemotional a little bit. So later on, his dad, he did like locate, he thinks he's like, he saw his dad's name, like in a newspaper, but like, was like, "Eh, I don't not interested. I was probably him, but I'm not really that interested in contacting him. Like not not like, no, I don't want to. Yeah, just like a not so, really that interesting. I mean, kind of the kind of the, so we're in the early makings of a uh possible mental right. mental issues. Right. You know, abandonment by the father. You right. Know. And okay. you'll see he was also a bedwetter. So that's oh, like, here we go. Yeah. So he's a bedwetter. Torturing animals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Richard's mom remarried when he was seven years old, and the man just wasn't like a very loving person. He wasn't like abusive, but he just was like detached. very uncaring and detached. Yeah. He was hard on Richard and his mom. So Richard and his mom and stepdad would work at like this market every weekend. And Richard would talk about like his stepdad would ridicule him in front of customers and in front of like other people that worked there. So he was always super hard on Richard. And then Richard's mom would step in and like stand up for him. And then he'd be like super hard on his mom. So it's just like a very, a weird dynamic and it wasn't healthy. Um, And he always just 
so yeah, very, he had kind of a tough childhood. He was really quiet. Um, he was really close with his mom, but he didn't have very many friends. He went to school like in a different district than he lived in. So he didn't have any close friends. So like really his only friend was his mom. This sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it sounds like a lot of serial killers. I'm sure. If you're close with your mom and you're a dude, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's maybe, not, maybe just not give you. yourself a quick look in the mirror every morning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like I said, he was a bedwetter. He also had like really bad eczema growing up. So oh. he was like made fun of a lot. Oh, yeah, and like, bully, bully. yeah. And he had to like, wear like flip flops to school and kids would make fun of him. And he never fought back. He just like took it. He didn't, get angry he just kind of like took it so like you just feel bad for little richard but you know then yeah, you find out I what mean, he does and you're is, like big is, richard i ain't there, bad you know our early we're so impressionable and our early childhood development is so important and uh obviously yeah a lot can affect you psychologically and form the person that you become so yeah so he like as a kid did not get to make very many choices like his mom basically made all of his choices for him dominant yeah Yeah, his mom was very dominant but in like a loving way like in but like a helicopter parents are away so she chose what he what he wore and he never never argued with her he chose like she chose what he would eat and he never ever commented like i don't want that or anything like she said he always ate what i made he always wore what i gave him he just literally was a pushover and and we see that like theme throughout his life so he just like he literally just but that that builds into resentment Uh, yeah yeah. yeah. And so a lot of people said they just never saw him get angry about anything. He just like did not ever. Oh, get it's angry. always the quiet ones, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Like- um, so yeah, just very like he held it all in, but just never exploded. He just was like literally never mad, people said. So he did have some violent incidents that came up like after his his trial, which like spoiler alert, he is put on trial for a very violent act, which I will get get through here. But he did have some violence in his upbringing. When he was six, he won a toy shovel at school. And on his way home, he threw it at a friend's head, like out of the blue. It wasn't out of anger. It was just like a random thing he did. And he said like he remembers feeling bad about it because like his friend is crying and his head was bloody. And like his mom got in a fight with like the kid's mom. And it was like, so that was one thing that he recalled, like in terms of like being asked, like, did you ever have violent episodes? This was something he recalled. He also recalled when he was in college, he went to Mexico to do some geology work. And while he was there, one of the ranchers whose land he was on said like, hey, we've got a rattlesnake problem. If you see a rattlesnake, you have to kill it. Like they will kill right. the horses. They will kill right. the, the cows. They will kill you. You got to kill it. And so there was a rattlesnake and Richard took like the rattlesnake was apparently just kind of sitting. It wasn't like any threat, but Richard's like, I got to kill it or it's going to kill someone else. Yeah. And he took his car and he pinned it to the ground and then took a shovel and just like smashed the snake's head over and over. And his friend was like, I can't believe you did that. Like it's poor innocent creature. And Richard's like, well, I had to, the rancher told us we had to, like, he was like, I'm just following directions. Huh. Um, so well, to be fair, I grew up in Eastern Oregon yeah. and my dad used to, he worked for the County road department and he had a collection of rattlesnake rattles. Yeah. Like because the, I he think- used to just run over him with his truck because you can't. And the one time I got bucked off a horse, but uh, into a river was crossing a bridge and there was a rattlesnake and like, yeah, it's, I mean, and like I, these, these three things, like you'll like on their face, you're kind of like, like, I see why he did it. Like, well, the I think shovel the- at a kid's head. I'm not a psycho. <sighs> right. Like, but I, I'm like, I, I wonder <laughs> if like, you know, I have a small kid and I could see him pl- like being like, ha ha and accidentally throw like all of these have sort of explanations. I think for yeah. me, the most it's disturbing the part. And I think it's also disturbing that like he doesn't have emotions about it. If I had to kill a rattlesnake, I would be bummed. Any animal. If you have to kill any animal, like, uh, so, and then the third one, he was doing a science experiment in college. He was kind of gross, but he was growing parasites in the intestines of rats. <laughs> What? I don't, I'm like, what sort of experience? Did someone doing? I don't that? know. Yeah, it was just like, took it. It was <laughs> their own volition. Like, I think like, it was like, I think it was an assignment. I let's hope, hope so. Um, but uh, he then had to extract the parasites and in, like he had to kill the rats to do that. Oh. And like, apparently his professor told him like the best way to kill a rat. I'm sorry, this has to do with animal cruelty. And I love rodents. So yeah, like trigger warning. Yeah, trigger warning. But they said like, you grab them by the tails and you just like, essentially smash their skulls to kill them instantly it's like they're like this is the most humane way to do it which i have a hard time believing no i don't believe that i would think it was yeah but he did it to not one not two but 25 rats and i'm sorry right if 
if this was the 70s, right? Maybe that was a thing. I don't know. Like, they did weird shit in the 70s. Like, this could have been a thing. But, like, to just talk about it so, like, nonchalantly, like, yeah, I smashed the skulls of 24 rats. It was and like not, a science not be experiment. Affected by yeah. It? And to be like, it was in the name of science. Ha ha ha. It's like, Jesus, like, no, like, it's no, not I, normal. Oh. So, so yeah, it's, it's just. Yeah, that combination, like the, the, like the collective of all three of those. And what's the theme that's through all of those? It was the shovel to the head, head and head. Something about the heads. And we will okay. see that theme come up again, again, spoiler alert, but <laughs> But yeah, over the course of his schooling, Richard actually became like an excellent student. I should say over the course of his like uh, pre-college school. So elementary school, middle school, high school, he became uh, an excellent student. And uh, he actually graduated at the top of his class. First out of 415 kids in his high school was valedictorian. And because of that was offered like full ride scholarships to literally any Ivy League school of his choosing. So he was this poor kid from L.A., you know, Mexican American background. Right. And despite all that, he rose to like prominence and, and was basically had his choosing, like truly his choice of, of where he wanted to go to college. That's rewarding. So, so yeah. So, and just like, I, I explained all the weird violence in his past, but remember like two of those hadn't happened yet. It was like the, you know, the shovel to the head of a child child. Okay. Yeah, so, so, okay. Okay. I get it. But I get it. So, so he, by all accounts was a really good student was like a, a star child like to his mom was like the best kid ever listened to her was sweet was like loving and then did great in school and he got a full ride scholarship to Yale plus like expenses like so he got like it was just like the best deal ever wow so yeah college was not right college was pretty cheap yeah I mean I realized that a full ride would have been amazing back then as well but it was a little bit different like three i know it was back when you could like work yourself through school yeah Uh, whereas now we die uh, we die with student loans (laughs) so richard started uh at yale and really sucked at school (laughs) like sucked at yale like well his mom wasn't there though yeah maybe that's it i don't know they didn't really like it was just like he didn't have the drive or the momentum in college you have to have like you don't have to but it is handy to have social skills right Right. And he really did not. Yeah. So you're like you you're really on your head. own for the first time in your life. Yeah. And if you're awkward AF right. to begin with, then. Yeah. And so one of the key words that many people describe Richard as was just indifferent. Like he didn't have passion about one thing or another. He would agree to just basically do whatever fell in his lap. So like he got into geology purely because I think they said like he had to take some geology class and like he got interested in snail. Like they, they did some, some research on snails. And then Richard's like, yeah, I guess I'll go into snails. That's, that's very interesting. So he just, just kind of indifferent about everything. So, so yeah. So his first two years at Yale, he just skated by. He has this constant theme throughout his life of feeling like he's not good enough. Like he's inadequate. Like he's not doing enough. So despite the fact that he's not like really passionate about anything, he's also like hates himself. I think. I think like he felt very much like uh he was like a big fish at his like at high, oh, high school and then yeah. he got to Yale and that's like, syndrome. Yeah. yeah, where he's yeah, that's a good point where he's not the smartest one. Yeah. yeah. So he's no longer and he's not like even close to the smartest. He's so just, then like, he has no dumb. other skill that really stands out. Right. Yeah. Right. So he felt was feeling very inadequate. Um and by his third year of school, he was like telling friends, he's like, this is the year I'm going to get a girlfriend. Lo and behold, year three, he met a girl right away. His third year of college, her name was Ginny. So he met her in September of his third year of college. And Ginny was from a good family. Ginny went on to become an attorney. So she's got a good head on her shoulders. And they were essentially friends with benefits. Like Ginny was very uninterested in like, lo- like being locked down. She was just like, good I'm not her. Yeah. Well, that was the mid seventies. Yeah. And I'm yeah. just like the women in this like, Ginny and Bonnie were just like badass bitches. They were like, I don't need a man. I just want to like do my thing. And like, I don't need you. And so Ginny was, yeah, she was just like, I don't want to be tied down. And clearly like Richard pretended like he was okay with it because he didn't ever like get angry. He was just like, sure, that's fine. But inside he was really like, well, gee, yeah, I want, I want something more. Yeah. Um, But he never like really vocalized it. So um, I think Richard, Richard, in general, I love you. Well, gee, okay. So the reason, something. <laughs> literally, the reason I said that, you got to read this book. He says, "G," like eight, like that's his thing. He'd always be like, "Well, gee," 
And I'm like, who are you, Richard? Is that really how you talk? Is Leave that- it to me. Right? I know, like, well, gee. So literally Ooh. that's, so yeah, that was a Richard Heron quote. Well, gee. Well, gee. <laughs> but- Let me kill you. <laughs> Richard, okay. exactly. So uh, Richard, like, played down how much he liked Ginny. And she kind of left him hanging while she was, like, dating other guys, too. So she was just, like, kind of stringing him along. Which, yeah. like, he- she-, she was very clear the entire time. Like, I don't want to be in a monogamous relationship with you. Like, we're not. We're yeah. Not seeing just each other. But Richard, like at the same time, was like desperate to have a girlfriend. So he just stayed along and like rode along for the ride. Um I've done that. Yeah, we, we get it. Like we've, we've all been along. Yeah, we've for all the been ride. there. Yeah. So he stayed with her despite her telling him that they were like they weren't serious, that they were just casually d- like dating, that they were like essentially just friends with benefits. But one night he was sitting at his window and he saw Ginny like walking hand in hand with another guy outside Uh-oh, of his window. There's the catalyst. Yeah. And he knew it was over with Ginny. So he's like. And he just accepted it? No. He like sobbed all night long. Oh. He was like heartbroken. I think that was. So he saw them walking hand in hand. And I believe that that he like wrote a letter to her and like walked outside while they were walking hand in hand and was like, here, take this. And was like, put this letter in her hand while she was like walking hand in hand with this guy. And she was like. Oh, and I bet his palms were, I'm just imagining, like, sweaty palms awkward, like, like, shoving this crumpled paper. As he's, like, crying, and, like, I love men that cry. You you go for it, but, like, can you imagine the awkward, that awkward interaction of, like, take my note, just take it. She's like, uh, uh, we're just, we are, like, not together. What are you doing? (laughs) He sobbed all night. But realized like it was over with her. So that's at least there's that. So um, one thing Ginny did give Richard was like confidence in like, oh, I can be with like, I know what a relationship is or like I can be in a relationship. So like he was then ready to like for his next relationship. Um, only this time she's yeah. gonna like me. <laughs> She'll like me a lot. I'm like, okay, good luck with that, Richard. Oh, okay. So that so Ginny and Richard were together until uh April of his junior year, so 1974. So all throughout like spring, summer, and then into the fall of 1974, Richard was single, but again, like interested in finding another girlfriend. So it was November 1974, and it was <laughs> The evening before the Yale Bladder Day. Wow, what's Bladder Day, you might ask? Well, (laughs) Bladder Day is the day before the football game between Yale and Dartmouth. And literally a giant ball is inflated. And I think at some point it was like an actual bladder. Because it's like this. Yeah, they made them for pig's bladders, right? Yeah, I'm sure. That's why they call it pigskin. Yeah, okay. Probably, I mean, it's probably a pig's bladder, but this dates back to like- Oh my God, you guys, you have to comment and tell me if I'm right, because I'm (laughs) going to feel so amazing. (laughs) For sure, pig's bladder. Um, So they would fill up a bladder and later on a giant ball, and they would play like almost like a capture the flag type game along like all around campus. So it sounds like it was like a total blast. People would like team up with people and like try and get the ball like to different places. So it was the day before bladder day. Uh, Bladder- (laughs) Yes. The day before bladder day. Just makes me think of a bunch of people peeing. I know. I'm like, like, is this a bunch of people who have like UTIs? What is Yeah, like what? (laughs) Like, what are we? What is what What other up against here? (laughs) Do I need to hand around some cranberry juice? Like we got some Azo. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Yeah. So day before bladder day, Richard and his pal went to a movie. It was a Beatles movie. And Richard was really into playing the guitar. And so the movie really, yep. Yeah, Richard was a because musician. It's, a, it's an emotional. Thing. That is, that's really interesting. And it also takes like kind of passion. Like you have to be interested in that to like you. No one's just like naturally good at a musical instrument. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not true. That there are some people who like yeah, there are it. savants out there. But like Richard wasn't that person. Huh. That's not what Richard. That was. Is, this is all so far. I mean, he would be. I would. It's, I'm. I'm adding up everything about him so far. This is pre rat bashing right but (laughs) i i would think like i don't want to be friends with you but like you're you're just kind of an odd duck you're just kind of but that's all i think right like you're just odd like if he offered to walk me home across campus i'd be like sure "Sure." yeah right right so he gave off that then that is what the vibe of everyone everyone who knew him said that that was his vibe like he was just kind of like strange but like safe yeah but like not ever angry not ever mad yeah so, so yeah, so he played the guitar and when the movie got out that night, it got out really late around two in the morning, Richard and his friends grabbed their guitars and this is so seventies went to the co- courtyard and just played music and sang Beatles songs. And his friend played the recorder while Richard played Ooh, the guitar. Yes. 
Can that you imagine? Priceless. I know. I'm like, can you, can you, can you. just imagine somebody going crazy with her yeah. dancing. Like, I'm just, I died when I read that part. I'm like, that's great. That's I really so want to 70s. show up to a bonfire with a recorder now. Like, there's always that one dude with the guitar and like all the old, like, worn out Dave Matthews hits that they play. But I want to show up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little twist on that. I want to make, I want to spice it up. It's so much louder than a guitar just yeah, ever. Be like, what the hell is that devoted, noise? Like, would you have to be like, you have to do like elementary school with everyone else, the recorder, but like it just grabbed you in a way that you couldn't describe. I have a passion so for the recorder. <laughs> now that guy, I would not let yes. him walk across campus. Recorder like, man? No. no. I don't that, think he's named in that book, but he probably ended up being sure a psycho. Like, <laughs> That's another case that we'll probably cover at some yeah. point is I'll look up recorder man. He probably went on to kill lots of like co-eds. And or that's at probably- the very least, he's in the woods in a cabin somewhere. Okay, so they're playing recorder and uh, jamming out to Beatles songs. And one of Richard's friends came up and two girls he had with him. And one of them was Bonnie Garland. Oh, God, poor Bonnie. So Richard was, no, this was his senior year. So he was probably 22 and she was 17. So she was a young freshman. According to Richard, it was like love at first sight. It was also weird. And I know I, I described like Bonnie's looks earlier. I, I personally think she was beautiful. She was just like very, she just like had that like round, cute little face. And just like, she just looked like a fun, sweet person. But Richard also was like, he was just kind of like, yeah, she was okay. And that's what he said about Ginny too. He was always just kind of like, she was fine. What did he look like? Uh, he was pretty attractive. He was, uh, so he had dark features cause he had, um, like the Mexican heritage. Yeah. I did read, I think in this book, it was mentioned that he had an American, he had some sort of American Indian in him as well. Okay. So I'm not sure where that came from. Oh yeah. I like didn't how like my mom dig into that it. In a few exactly. years ago. And a little bit of Cherokee. Yeah. So, <laughs> but he, so he has very dark features, but also he's got the Irish in him. So he's got like, it could be black Irish. I'm black Irish. Really? Yeah. Okay. So that maybe, that, maybe, maybe that he just, was like, you have darker features. Right. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. We don't all have red hair and green eyes and click our heels together. So, <laughs> you aren't all leprechauns. Some are, of you are. I mean, I've seen Luck of the Irish. I know. I know. I've seen the Disney so, movie. I know about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they met. Yeah. Love at first sight. So they played music. Bonnie was a really good singer. So Bonnie sang along and then they went back to Richard's room and like literally fooled around like, they were thumb wrestling and then like wrestling, wrestling, just like goofing off with each other. Oh, I thought you were like, I thought you were winking at me. No, no. I was like, come on. <laughs> they fooled around. Don't oh, worry, wait, wait. Katie. Yeah. I'm not going to say it on air. I but know they, more than you think yeah. I do. Like, <laughs> Have you had the birds and the beats discussion, guys? If you haven't. <laughs> no, but so they literally like fooled around, meaning like played they thumb wrestled and like wrestle wrestled well she's 17 right but they did like they towards the end of the night they started like making out and heavy um, petting. That, that is the words of this 1970s book yes they were doing heavy petting um and heavy petting. Yeah, what would you how do you I they were conducting know. heavy petting they were they were, they they were, were engaging in they, they were, were commencing they with were heavy commencing. petting yeah. <laughs> However, you say that they were petting each other very heavily. Okay, oh and I'm not gonna be able to pet a dog. I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know what. What point did that? I don't. Well, it's well, just, just yeah. one of those things. So yeah. So like right as of like after that night, they were basically inseparable. They met up at the bladder ball the next game, and like they or the next day at bladder ball, and they like they just like hung reconnected out. and hung out, and like just like after that, they were like she was sleeping in this room every single night, and they were so just, she like, must have had some intellectual oh, attraction to him. I think like there were, she emotional. was definitely, oh, for sure. Like there was definitely a connection there and maybe it was because she was so young. I don't know, but they were like, they were very connected. They, they, they clicked. So, um, so yeah, so quickly they were like inseparable and Richard like was obsessed with how they portrayed themselves, like the image of themselves. And he, this theme that runs throughout the book is like, it sounds weird, but like holding hands, he was all, he's always like, I need to hold her hand to show everybody that she's mine. Oh, it's and, like, ownership. It's very it's possessive. total ownership. But then he'd also be like, I couldn't hold her hand because everyone would think like this about me. So he was like, he needed like the image of him to be like very, he, he was very well, like protective just- of his, his image. Start of their relationship seemed strong, but there were already indications that like Bonnie wasn't super, like wasn't certain about it. 
well, she she's wrote 17. Um, but she wrote Richard a letter that essentially was like, like, I feel like you are very possessive of me. Um, I feel like I don't get to make my like many choices on my own without like you giving me these quote unquote vibes that like you don't want me to do things. Oh, wow. Like anytime I want to hang out with somebody, I feel like you're always like like you make me feel like I have to ask for permission and you know that like I'm an independent person. I don't want that. And this was a letter that she wrote like within a month of them dating. So like right away, you can tell that there was something like not right. Yeah. But they dated for like a few years after this. So it's like, this is a long relationship. It's so hard to get out of it once you're in though. Right. Right away, like her freshman year body started like slacking at school. So her and Richard would just like skip school. They would just like lay in bed all day and be lazy and like not, they were both like not going to classes. They were both just like slacking at school. So they're basically codependent. Right. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like, you know, he's got his issues and she's got hers and. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so like a few months after they started dating, so they started dating in November, then that spring break, 1975, Richard went to Bonnie's house and he had already met Bonnie's dad, like Bonnie's dad and and one of Bonnie's brothers. I think his name was, I think it was Patrick. They went up to school to visit Bonnie and they met Richard at that time. And both of them were like, or I should say Bonnie's dad, Paul was like, no, like I'm, I'm, he's not for you. Like he seems like a loaf. Like he doesn't seem like he has any real drive immediately got the vibe that he was just like not right for Bonnie. Yeah. And so that spring break, Richard met like Richard spent spring break with Bonnie at her family's house in Scarsdale. And um, this was his first time meeting Joan. uh, So Bonnie's mom and uh, Bonnie's other siblings and Joan felt the exact same way. Oh, mother Um, knows. They both felt they, they both were like Richard's a bum. They said he was hard to talk to. He didn't seem interested in anything, which is that theme again of him just being kind of like aloof. At the end of spring break, Bonnie went to a party when they were back at school and Bonnie didn't ask Richard to go. Bonnie went by herself and because she wanted to have fun. Yeah. Cause she was just like, so at the end of spring break, Bonnie went to this party. A guy asked if he could walk her back and he did. And he asked if he could kiss her and he, she said yes. And so this guy kissed her and she told Richard about it. And Richard's like, Oh, you know, Richard, Again, like, oh, gee, I can't believe you would do that to oh, me. Oh, gee. But it was never, he was like, he was like very emotional about it. He was sad. He was like, I can't believe you'd do this to me. But he wasn't angry. And then they just like made up and kind of pretended like it didn't happen. So. That's so interesting that his whole childhood, he doesn't seem very emotional. Right. But right. It, it seems to kind of, it kind of feels like it was all sealed in pretty tight. Right. And then he gets to college and it starts to starts to fracture a little bit and and some of it starts leaking out. Right. And, and I think a lot of it, like, I don't think he was unemotional entirely. I think he just like had a problem with anger. Like, I don't think he really understood anger. I think he was like, he shows a lot that he would like get sad and he would just like ball for hours or days. Like sounds like his stepdad was a pretty angry guy though. So yeah. he, he might've been like, well, I'm not going to be like that. Sure. Sure. And, the, and he, the only coping mechanism he knew was just hold it in. Right. And then it comes out in weird ways. Right. Unfortunately. Yeah. So, so yeah. So they discussed like whether they wanted to continue their relationship. They thought about breaking up, but at the end of the day, they decided to stay together. And obviously that spring, that was the the end of Richard's senior year. He had been like fucking around. And finally, like when push came to shove, like he wasn't, he didn't have enough credits to to graduate. However, Yale, they this was like a new policy. They said if you can if you can like take a summer class, pass the summer class, you can you can walk with the graduating waiting class. We'll give you your diploma, but it's it's like contingent upon you actually like finishing this class over the summer. Was he still majoring in geology or whatever? Yeah, you know, I should look it up, but yes, because that's where he I'll, yes he he went on to like pursue that in his graduate career. Riveting. I know, <laughs> and this is coming from somebody who loves geology. I literally almost minored in geology. Like I don't know if you knew that about me, but I worked no. at the geology museum in college. What? Um, yes, I did, and I love geology. I loved my professors. I loved working. I come in the geology from a museum. long line of rock stackers, but, so I can respect that. But it's not something like I mean, he was not passionate about it. If he like loved paleontology, if he loved you know rocks and minerals, great. But he just was like. Yeah, I could do that. Like he was clearly not into it. Right. So anyway, so he did end up graduating. He passed that summer class, ended up graduating. Um, And that summer he stayed in New Haven um, where Yale is to finish school. Whereas Bonnie went back to Scarsdale and Richard really wanted Bonnie to stay with him. But Bonnie's mom was like, nah, (laughs) and and she at that point is like, 
She was 18 by then. Because she was, yeah. You still, I mean, when I was 18, because I, I, I led a fairly sheltered life. Yeah. In a small uh, agricultural town in Eastern Oregon. So, yeah. I mean, when I was 18, if my parents told me to do something, I would do it. Right. Like, you, right. There oh, was for no sure. Question. Even no. though I was away and at college. Right. And especially because her parents were, you know, su- providing for her. You know, I'm yeah. sure that her parents were paying yeah. for everything. And well, my parents weren't, though. And mm-hmm. I, and I still, right. I still was did like, not nope. cut those apron strings right. till, well, I still haven't. I know. Same. <laughs> same. But yeah. So her mom was like, nah, you're not staying with him. So, um, she was in, um, Scarsdale, he was in New Haven. And then in addition, I mentioned like, she was really good at singing. She was part of, of the Yale Glee Club. And that was like, she was really awesome. Into she was like a soloist. She was a great singer. Um, and so she went on a Glee Club tour that summer of South America. So she was gone for quite a bit of time. And, um, Richard and her only saw each other every so often, either in New Haven or they would meet like up in New York city, but they never stayed at, at Bonnie's house in Scarsdale. Like I think it was made very clear that like, he just wasn't welcome there. Yeah. Um, so that's hard, but they, yeah, they would meet in New York city, um, every so often, but for the most, she was gone for like over half the summer, but she managed to write him and, uh, call as much as possible. So they were still connected and in touch and, and all that stuff. So, so that fall, so Richard graduated from Yale, got his undergraduate. I'm probably in geology. I don't, I didn't actually look it up, but he was accepted at um, the Texas Christian university for his master's program. So yeah, so he was accepted there and uh, he started his master's program there. And so he was in Texas now and Bonnie was still in New Connecticut. Haven, still yeah. in Connecticut. Okay. So they discussed an open relationship and, and Richard was okay. Quote unquote, okay. With Bonnie seeing other guys. Um, more like he caved. Yeah, like, exactly. He just didn't because yeah. he she was allowed to see other, and I think she would have been fine if he did too. I think this was her way of like initiating their breakup without having to like confront the the situation because it came up very often that Bonnie did not like confrontation. But uh, so yeah, so he was in Texas and she was okay to date other guys, but Richard made very clear like she would be like, "I'm dating. I went on a date with so and so," and he'd be like, "I don't like him," and Bonnie would be like. I don't give a shit. Like she was very Whoa. clear. Like she was like, I don't, I don't care. So, so he's got another dominant woman in right. his life. True that. True. Very true. Sounds like I mean, she's was she sounds awesome. She I know for the seventies, you're way like way more independent than I was at that. Oh age. my gosh! And like for the seventies, for being like part of like a a, a well to do family. I don't know. I just like always assume those they just like and she'd be like, well, follow whatever you do. Yeah, yeah. But she was like, fuck no, I'm gonna do whatever I want to do. Like, God, and so awesome. I know she sounds really freaking cool. Bonnie um did start dating other guys and. Bonnie told Richard that the other guys, like she'd tell him about them, but she was always like, they mean nothing. Like they, again, whether or not they actually did mean anything to her or she was like trying to avoid any confrontation. Right. right. She's trying hard to, to say, him. Yeah. right. But Richard, according to Richard, like they meant, you know, these guys meant nothing to her. And in addition, during that time, Bonnie started smoking weed, which like Richard was like super anti smoking weed. He thought like, cause it's a control thing. I think like, he thought like, she was like, the only thing I knew about weed was like, she wouldn't be able to control herself and like people would take advantage of her. So like he was very, mm-hmm. it was coming from it very ignorantly. Like he didn't understand what, well, and he's probably anti-drugs because he's always in control. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. So, yeah. so yeah. So, um, but again, she was like, I, I don't really give a shit what you think. Yeah. Which was like, Oh, Bonnie, God, <laughs> you're so, not, my, you're not the boss yeah, of me. I know. You ain't the boss of me. <laughs> so, um, at that time during the fall, Richard, like, quote unquote proposed to Bonnie and she accepted, but it was very much like, it, it seemed very casual and like, not, not formal. It seemed like, like maybe she thought like, this isn't going to really happen. So I'll say yes. So we don't fight. Right. And so she did start dating one guy sort of more seriously. His name was John. Um, John also had a long distance girlfriend and they were kind of like filling time for one another. And John later on said like that he had that Bonnie had mentioned to him several times, like I want to break up with Richard, but she just like never did. And so she ultimately ended up like ending things with John and, but John yeah, later on was like, yeah, she mentioned it quite a few times that it was something that she, she brought up. So, so rather than breaking up with Richard, she just, she broke up with John, but again, like John and her were just very casual. So it was like, yeah, 
it, it didn't cause like any bubble, you know, any rifts or anything. It was just like, they just ended things, but she knew like, if I end things with Richard, it's going to be a whole different story. <sighs> so Christmas, 1975, they did spend Christmas in New Haven uh, together. And they were, they also then spent some time together in Los Angeles and Richard showed Bonnie around and he more formally proposed to her this time. And he apparently had purchased like a charm bracelet and was like, one of these days I'm going to give this to the woman I marry. And so he gave her this charm bracelet. Because that's what we all want. Right. (laughs) Who doesn't want a charm bracelet? (laughs) Oh, God. Hopefully it was Pandora or something like fancy. I mean, is this Tiffany? I don't know. He got it out of a vending machine. But it was a secret engagement. So like. Because her parents didn't approve. Right. Because her parents didn't approve. And Bonnie told Richard like. In high society, unless you're going to announce your wedding, announce your engagement within a year of getting married, like, you can't announce it. So, like, you can't announce your engagement until you're going to be married, like, a year from that point. Sounds like a big cop-out to me. I don't know if she actually said that or, again, if if Richard made it up. But they didn't tell anybody about it. And so, for the rest of that year, spring and summer, Bonnie would go and visit Richard frequently, like, during breaks. And that summer they spent together um, in L.A., And Richard then, you know, went back to Texas. Bonnie went back to New Haven. And that fall, so fall 1976, Bonnie was trying harder at school. She was like, I got to get my life together. Like, things are not going well. And, and, you know, she'd really slacked off for about two years. And so by this time, she was a junior and she was going to try really hard to graduate the end of her junior year. So, like, a year early. So, she's like, shit, I got to get my ass in gear so Richard also then started applying for PhD programs. So he was like, I want to get into like somewhere close, closer to Bonnie. So I can be closer to Bonnie. I want to get my PhD in geology. So he wanted to get his PhD. And so at that point, Bonnie and Richard are starting to talk about marriage and kids. And they even like applied for a credit card together, which is like a huge thing at the time. So Bonnie's <laughs> trying harder at school. Richard still slacking and, and being a big old loser. And apparently, like, he got kind of addicted to TV. So he just, like, watched TV, like, all day long. And he was, like, in Texas by himself. He didn't really have any friends. Um, so he would just sit and watch TV. And rather than going to, like, labs or literally any classes, he would just sit and, like, watch TV all day. It's like. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> so that Christmas, Bonnie and Richard actually did spend break together in Scarsdale. So at Bonnie's parents' house. And Bonnie's fam- family still not a fan of Richard, but they were, like. If, if Bonnie's like, either he comes here or I don't come home for Christmas. And so they're like, so well, they I guess were we like, got to take keep, him. To keep our daughter in our life, we have to accept him. Right. Yeah. So it was just clearly like very strained and not comfortable for anybody. Well, yeah. If he's standoffish and awkward. Like, yeah. That- and like up until that point, Richard had been like hinting at like, I'm, I got you a gift for Christmas. Like it's a big gift and all of these, like these huge, he was like, guess what I got you? Like, I'll give you some hints. And so up until Christmas, he was like hinting that essentially that he had gotten her an actual engagement ring. So she was expecting him to actually like propose that Christmas. But um, when they exchanged gifts, he had actually purchased her just an opal ring. And apparently like she loved opals, but apparently she was just like devastated that he didn't. And again, this is, this is Richard's account. So who knows how she actually felt or anything like that. But no, I mean, it would make sense that she was devastated. Right. I, I, yeah. I think, I think that's pretty common. But- right. I think she was just a confused girl. Like, I think she was like, this is my first real boyfriend. I don't want to break up with him. I, but I also don't want to be by myself. And so he was, he also like intentionally or not like totally from one day to the next was completely inconsistent. Right. So I, I, she's probably all kinds of confused and conflicted. Right. Um, you know, while trying to maintain her independence and, you know, deal with like, that's hard. Right. Try to maintain your independence and be with a controlling person. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. So Richard felt just like garbage about this. Um, He felt pretty terrible. About the ring? About, yeah, about getting her this ring. And she was like expecting it to be this like amazing ring. So again, the inadequacy, he was like, I feel like I'm not good enough. And this all came rushing back. So, that so you know the first part of this year bonnie's like i'm gonna try really hard at school i want to graduate in june after christmas bonnie decided like no i'm gonna take the semester off so she started school 
back up, but then she like slacking again at school and was like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to go to school. Yeah. She basically was like, I'm taking a semester off. Like, I don't, I don't want to be in school right now. So Richard tried talking her out of it because he's like, our plan was that you would graduate this year so we could be together. And like, I, I would, I would get my PhD and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Controlling people don't do well with uh, change plans. Right. And she was so strong. Well, she's like, no, I'm not, I'm done. I'm done with school for this semester. I'm not, I'm not interested in this. They had always, like I said, they, their relationship had been pretty open, at least from Bonnie's side of things. And Bonnie Yeah, started, that's interesting. He didn't say anything then about him being with anyone else. No, no. So he like, he was, no, he was never with anybody else. But Bonnie was According always, to him. right. Yeah, that's true. But Bonnie was always dating other guys. And so mm-hmm. at this time she started dating another guy more seriously. His name was Bob. This time she wasn't like, she wasn't being truthful about where, where she actually was. So for instance, there was a situation where, um, Bonnie told Richard, like, they were on the phone. They would talk for, like, hours. And Bonnie's like, I got to go. I'm going out to dinner tonight with Stephanie or something. I think her name was Stephanie. And Richard's like, oh, Stephanie just got, like, promoted in Glee Club. I'd love to talk to her real quick and congratulate her. And Bonnie's like, no. Like, no, I got to go right now. And he's like, no, come on. Just, like, let me talk to her real quick. If she's right there at your door, like, let me talk to her. And she's like, "Ah, I can't buy. And hung up on him. And then she was gone for, like, an hour. And during that time, Richard went and found Stephanie's phone number, called her room, and Stephanie picked up. So he knew Bonnie was lying about who had come to her door. Okay. And so... So he's catching on. So he was like... And then he was like... He was just, like, devastated about it. And that night, he's like, I have to fly up to New Haven. He's, like, booked an airline ticket. Was like, I need to sort this out. Like, Bonnie's lying to me, and she hung up on me and was just devastated. Before he left, though, Bonnie called to apologize, and she was honest and was like, yeah, I, I did meet up with Bob. I've been seeing him for a while. And she, again, was like, Bob's just a friend. Like, we're just friends. Oh, perfect opportunity to break I it know. Off, and it's like, but... so right shortly after this, Bonnie actually moved into, like, she was, she quit school and moved into a, the frat house that Bob was part of. Like, she was like, it's free rent. And, and Richard's like, what? Like, but Richard didn't question it because he just, like, believed everything Bonnie said. He was How like, can she move into a frat I know. house? I mean, I'm sure back then they didn't pay very much attention. Right. But, but it was like, she's like, I'm going to move into this frat house. And and he was like, but, okay, sounds good. You know, it was like, clearly, like, she's moving in with Bob. Like, like read the writing on the wall, bro. Yeah. But he was not, didn't get it. And he was like, oh, things are great. We're, we're awesome. And, you know, meanwhile, Richard is going through the same thing where he's struggling with school. Bonnie came to visit him that spring break and he like had a big project due while she was there and he like did not have it prepared. So he was like in front of the class and like somebody asked him a question about what he was supposed to present on. And he was like, I don't know. And just sat down awkwardly and just like failed his presentation. So he just was was being a doofus. Like he had all this time to do his work and he just wasn't doing it. And then, um, you know, the, the one weekend that Bonnie came, you know, he was like, well, I, I you know, Bonnie came and that's the reason I couldn't get my work done. It's like, no, you had like weeks to do this, buddy. <laughs> so, so now he's starting with the excuse. Oh yes. And yeah. yes, that, that comes up a lot. Um, so yeah, so, so, uh, that spring Yale had prom and despite the fact that Bonnie was not like going to school at Yale anymore, she went to prom and, and Richard flew up to New Haven to go to prom with her. And apparently during that time, Bob, was planning on confronting Richard because Bob and Bonnie were apparently like a pretty serious couple, but without, but Bonnie like saw the situation starting to happen and like pushed Richard like out of, of the prom to like avoid again, avoid the confrontation between Bob and Richard. There was a prom at college. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, you're like, the only thing that I caught on like, just her now. face is like, what, 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 wait, 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 what? <laughs> there was prom at college. <laughs> Like, yes, yes, huh. there was prom at college. Oh, well. I know, things you don't know. Things you don't know. It must have been because it's Yale, but. All right, so summer, that summer, um, after prom, Richard did get accepted to the PhD program uh, at George Washington University. And so, again, it was contingent upon him completing his master's thesis that summer because he was just a big screw up. So, uh, once again, Bonnie had her Glee Club tour as well. So, and so this time they had a Glee Club tour of Europe, which like, um, where was this Glee Club when I, maybe they had it. I'm just not a good singer, uh, but you would know. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was on a music scholarship to college and we never went to Europe. We went to Portland, <sighs> Oregon. Shut up, Portland. Yeah. We went to Gig Harbor, <laughs> but we did not. You did not go to Europe? We didn't, you know. Shucks. Well, Bonnie did. 
Um, so that summer, Bonnie um, went on a Glee Club tour and Bob was with her on the tour. And so Richard had Bonnie's itinerary, just like he had the summer before. He knew where she'd be, when she'd be there, like how to get a hold of her via letters and stuff. And he would like write her a letter to get to her destination, like so it would get be there waiting for her. So he wrote her letters like every day and weeks went by and Bonnie did not write to Richard. So Richard Whoa. started off blaming, blaming the post office. And then he continued like hoping that Bonnie would write to him. He's like, Oh, it has to be the post office. Obviously like the post office is, is like slow. And I didn't anticipate the post office would be as slow as it is. So he was lying to himself. Um, and starting to spiral clearly. Exactly. And I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Like he literally had no way to get a hold of her. So like, for seven or eight weeks, he was like, "Yeah, because this is pre cell phone, right? Pre no cell phone, so pre, he like yeah. had no idea what was going on with her. Like he just like, I, I think it was pretty easy to ghost people, back right? Then. Yeah, right. And so like, I, I mean, I gotta be honest. Like, I'm thinking if I was in that situation, I would have been spiraling. I'm like, what are they doing? Why aren't they calling me? Like, this is person supposed to love me, and like, and that's exactly what happened. So he started spiraling, and at this time, he started to have like dark thoughts like really creepy dark thoughts <laughs> you mean this was after the rap bashing right though, this right? was after the rap bashing so he he knows what it feels like to take a life yeah and so he started having like creepy things like thoughts about like him and bonnie being in a car and getting killed in a car accident and then thoughts about like bonnie being like mutilated so like really really dark thoughts and so that was during this time and then richard did write a final letter to her right around june 8th so so yeah so this had been it had been a full month he hadn't received anything from her and i think by like week five he realized like i'm being ghosted yeah so he wrote this letter to her on june 8th and it says hi remember me june 8th and still no mail from you if it takes more than three weeks for mail to reach me here it must take longer for it to reach any destination in europe so i shouldn't bother mailing these last three letters to denmark sweden and norway I'm sending them all at once, which means they'll say the same thing. That is nothing. You probably won't get them anyway. I at least hope you're safe. I'm not angry with the postal service yet. And I hope that they're the cause of the delay in me hearing from you. But three weeks, I'm depressed and confused. And at times I feel like I'm getting fucked over by the postal service or whatever. Sorry, I can't be more <laughs> cheerful. Three damn weeks. Yours in love, Rick. Wow, that's passive aggressive. Right. As fuck. And like, so it shows Richards getting angry and frustrated, yeah. which he doesn't really get angry or frustrated with Bonnie. And so taking it out of the poor postal service. Yeah, I know. God, like the USPS, our mailman Red. Red, gosh. he's a goddamn American yeah. hero. Yeah. Like, he fights turkeys. He fights in this turkeys. Like, he fights turkeys. <sighs> so again, shows he's kind of spiraling. So Bonnie was set to return back to the U.S. on Thursday, June 30th. And that day, like within hours of her flight landing, Richard called the Garlands and was like, yo, bro, where are you at? Yeah. But instead he said, Joan, you know, where is Bonnie? <laughs> and Joan told him that she left or she got picked up at the airport and went right to, to New Haven. Bob's. Yeah. Right to Bob's. And she wouldn't be back till Saturday. So Richard probed Joan about it. You know, sounds like he's not picking up on soap, like, right? Like he's that tends to go along with that kind of personality, right? It's like not not recognizing social cues, right? Yeah, can't take a hint, basically, right? And yeah. so that's exactly what happened. So he, um, so he asked like Joan, like, why? What's what's wrong? Is it me? Is she going to Haven to like, hang out? Yeah, and she's like, you. she's like, I don't know, you know, because she's like, I don't want to be the person that yeah, breaks up with this you. Is this is my deal. Yeah. So uh, the next day, July first, Richard finally got a letter from bonnie so he went to his mailbox that day Dear and wasn't expect yeah <laughs> was not expecting anything um but that day he went out to his mailbox wasn't expecting to get anything and instead he got a dear john letter that's just exactly finally right. exactly right and so here is what that letter said dear rick I know it has been an unforgivable crime not to have written to you all this time, but I've been trying to postpone action on something very important, which has come up on this tour. I still don't know what to do, but I must at least tell you what has happened. I have spent almost all of my time on this tour in the company of one specific man, someone I saw off and on during the semester, Bob. Bob. To make things short, he has fallen in love with me. I am in a total state of confusion because I know I still love you just as much, but I feel an infatuation at least for him. I did not want to tell you because I thought it would be all over when the tour ended, but now I am not so sure. It makes me sick to write this letter. I couldn't lie and I didn't want to tell you the truth. So I just haven't written. 
you remember those conversations we had about being constrained and feeling like I didn't have a social life? Well, in a way, I think the elastic finally broke into this. I can hardly believe that this is happening, and I hope to straighten things out with the help of my shrink when I get back. I need time to myself to think, but I also hope you will not turn your back on me. I know you feel hurt, betrayed, alienated, but you have always said that if it happened, you would want to know. I wish now more than ever that you will seek psychiatric help to help you deal with a flood of emotions, which is probably beginning to overwhelm you. I hate this letter and this mess, but please be patient, and I'm sure things will work out because I still love you, and I need your love as much as ever. Please don't desert me. I'll be back soon, and we can talk. I've missed you a great deal. Love, Bonnie. Confusing to say the least. Yeah. I mean, doesn't really, that kind of leaves him hanging. Uh It's like, I don't want you, but I do, but I'm not going to be there, but you need to be. Exactly. Or I hope you will be. It's just a girl who doesn't like, it's a breakup letter without breaking up. Right. Yeah. Because what an uncomfortable. Right. And yeah, she just like, she clearly like the hints are all there. But again, a man that's in love, he's going to be like, oh, there's still hope. Like, she says she loves me. She says she needs me. She says she <laughs> So you're me. saying there's a exactly. chance. Yeah. Exactly. She's like, "There's you're saying there's a chance. And he's like, he's going to grab onto that. Yeah. So he grabbed onto that chance. And instead of reading that as like, she's breaking up with me, he was crushed. But he read it and reread it. And he sobbed and sobbed and was like, I'm moving to Connecticut. He's like, I'm postponing my PhD. I'm moving New Haven. I'm a winner back. Wow. I so mean that day that's dedication slash obsession. Right. Yeah. So the next day, July 2nd, he booked a flight to New York city. He's going to win Bonnie back. So before leaving, he needed to get his truck fixed. And, um, as one does. Yeah. He was like, I'm going to be driving this cross country to move back to new Haven. I got to have a nice truck. He called his mom. His mom wired him some money. However, while his truck was being fixed, he purchased two books to read while he was waiting for his truck to be fixed. Okay. One of which was Sybil. Okay. Seen the movie. So yeah. Do you remember what it was about? Yes, I do. She okay. had uh 30 odd. I don't quote me on that, right. but a lot. I watched it in high school psychology, but she had a lot of different personalities. Yeah. It was, it's a, about uh, a woman who has disassociative identity disorder, yeah. right? Like multiple, which is actually super rare. So, yes. And so he wrote, read that book, but then he also read a second book about police officer who killed someone and how a psychologist played a role in his defense, which might not make sense now, but. But that's not a great combination of those books. Those are two strange Although books. Although I, you know, I can't really talk because if the police ever right, saw my that. search history or my my Kindle <laughs> reading history, I'd be, they'd be like, yeah, I would be in solitary confinement. A hundred percent. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. Like can't completely judge him. But when you like take those things, just like, let's remember those. Let's put those little nuggets in our head. Well, for let's later. just pack them away. Yeah. So in addition, before leaving, he also wrote a couple of quote unquote suicide notes. Yeah. So in this case, the he wrote two letters. One was, if I do not return from New York soon, I will be departing on June 3rd. I will never be back. The enclosed letter will explain why. So that was note one. Okay. The second note is the weirdest one. And this is what it says. Real strength involves confidence in one's ability to meet whatever problems arise without overreacting, to be able to think through the solution rather than panicking. Confidence comes from being in touch with your own fears. Real strength means understanding yourself and your capabilities as well as your fears. I will be near you from now on, always within reach, to give you all I can. I will never desert you. Will always, always love you, Bonnie. Now, the weird thing is, if you look at it, if you look at the letter itself, the love you, comma, Bonnie is on its own line, almost like it's like a salutation. Like, that is, like, the closing line. Okay. Like, like how I would write, like, have a good day at work, love you, comma, Katie. Okay. Like, as if, like, it's written by Bonnie in this situation rather than right. Richard. Right. So... He also wrote it differently than in his normal normal handwriting. So he might be trying to pass it off as her suicide right. letter. So interesting. Right. The plot so, thickens. Right. So very strange. So Richard gets to New York City. He's there. He's at the bus station. He calls the Garlands again. Joan answers again and says, um, you know, that Bonnie's gone. She's boating with her dad. And Richard's like, oh, well, shucks, I'm right up the road at the bus station. Like, what am I to do? 
And Joan, well, gee, I know, well, gee, here I am at the bus station. And sweet Joan, who, you know, she's the one that's like, she's been, she was described as being like a, you know, like a social worker type yeah type i mean person. she's she's gonna be like oh he's kind of right. weird but i'm like, gonna do this he's up the road like i feel obligated and that's exactly what she said she felt obligated um to like invite him over but she was like i want to tell you though that that bonnie is here with another man so like yeah. you can come here for like lunch but like i don't want you to stay yeah so he was like oh god you know he was like great cool she is there with bob as i imagined um but he did go over and hang out for lunch with Joan, which they didn't, they weren't close. So it's just like very odd. So he was like, he was like, sure, let's hang out, Joan, me and you. Um, but yeah, they were hanging out, <laughs> eating lunch. And Joan's like, I'm sorry, like you have to leave. Like you can't yeah. stay here. And once again, Richard's like, oh, but like, I'm so embarrassed. Who am I going to tell? Like, she was like, is there anyone you can stay with? Like, yeah. Can you just like get out of here? Yeah. And he was like, well, I can't possibly tell anyone that Bonnie is bailing on me for another guy. He was like, that would make me look terrible. So rather than be like, dude, quit being a bitch. She was like, you know what? I've got an idea. Let's, let's think of this together. So she's like, just tell your friend that Bonnie isn't back in town yet. And like, tell him like, you got to stay with him for a little while until Bonnie's back from her tour. So she's like, cool. Yeah, that's what I'll do. So he calls his friend on Long Island and he's going to stay with him for a couple days. He left a message for Bonnie on Saturday, didn't hear from her. And then finally, Sunday evening, July 3rd, Bonnie finally calls. And it's like, literally what she said was... And she has no obligation whatsoever. No. She probably still feels like... Yeah, she's like, he was in my house. He's like stalking me. Like, he won't leave me alone. And, you know, she clearly like does have feelings for him still. Like, despite the... I think she's just... She's a confused kid. She's 21 years old. She's sorry for him. Right. Yeah. So she calls him and what she said very jokingly was, you nut, what are you doing here <laughs> on the phone? And so like he, you know, gave him this very like friendly, like, oh, she wants me here. Like yeah. she's just being playful. And, and she's like, can you like, I want you to come see me. Oh, Bonnie. I know. And she just, she just, she didn't know what she was doing. She's a young girl. She loved him, but was trying to get away. She's just torn. So, yeah. So she's like, come see me. And this is, this is weird. This is Sunday, the evening of July 3rd. And she's like, come see me. Like Long Island to where she was at was like, maybe I, I didn't look it up, but it's not far, maybe an hour drive or something. And he's like, you know, I can't come tonight. I'm spending the the day for the 4th of July. I'm spending the day with whoever he was staying with. I'm, I'm spending the day with him and his family. So I can come the day after tomorrow. It's like, He's been dying to see her. No, he's just trying to be spiteful, though. Do you think? Yeah, I think that's just a kind of safe face thing. Or see if, like, she started begging for him to come. Yeah. Like, something like that. Like, now, all of a sudden, he tries to play hard to get. Right. Like, yeah, I think that's what it was, is... is Because I was like, why would he do that? Like, he he was dying to see her, and then she's finally like, yeah, come see me. And he's like, well, I'll... I'll He's still dying to see her, but it's that control part. Right. Where, like, hey, you're not running the show here. Sure. I am. Like, you've already done this to me. I'm not going to let you do it again. That's a good point. So, so yeah. So, July 4th, he had a fun day with his friend. Um, And then July 5th, that Tuesday, um, he finally took the train to go see Bonnie. So Bonnie picked him up at this train station. They didn't give each other a hug. They didn't kiss. They didn't do anything. And then Richard was once again, like, I'm not holding her hand. Like her family doesn't need to see me holding her hand because they're all going to think I'm a huge idiot for, for like taking her back so quickly. So he was like very, very, very concerned like, with what other people Exactly. Think. And yeah. that's the whole, like, I need to hold her hand. So everyone thinks that like, I can't tell my friend that, you know, that we're having yeah. issues. Like yeah. he didn't tell anyone about any of the ebbs and flows of their relationship. Well, he didn't, he doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound like he had very many friends. Yeah. And he yeah. also probably didn't grasp them himself. Like, yeah. honestly. Um, so that day, um, they spent the whole day talking and what, what Bonnie told Richard was like, listen, I, I found myself on that Glee club tour. I don't want to be tied down. I don't want to be married to you. Like maybe some, maybe I will change my mind, but like right now, like I don't want to, I don't want to date you exclusively. I don't want to be tied down to anyone. Finally, she, you know, yeah, she said what she's been wanting to say for, for probably years, honestly, but she just, she finally said it. And like, despite the fact he was crying and begging and she was like, no, like, this is what I need to do. Like, this is what I need to do for myself. And Richard tried to call her bluff by being like, well, if you're going to see other people, then so will I. And she's like, 
that's what you need to do. Great. Good for you. Proud he's you, like, bro. oh, it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, so Bonnie also said some, she was like, honestly, I stopped reading. She's like, I know you wrote me all those letters on tour. I stopped reading them. I didn't want to read them. I'm like, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> I was just like, I'm like, bad bitch alert. She was just like, <laughs> whatever. She's like, yeah. just like just they're, they're in the Rhone river now yeah she's like i don't want to be with you i didn't read your fucking letters yeah like, just all this crap stop crying she literally said that they were just repetitive she was well, like they were just repetitive yeah i mean he he sent her three separate letters to three <laughs> different locations and they were all right. the same the last three letters he wrote to her were were all ex- identical and they he didn't send them so he like wrote three of the exact same letter by hand he didn't end up sending them to her so yeah, so he tried getting her, like he tried to convince her to stay with him. And she's like, no, like we can still see each other and we can still like, you know, casually date, but I'm not, you and I are not exclusive anymore. It's not yeah. what I want. And so that evening she did ask Richard to stay or like, I don't know how it happened, but Richard stayed in her room with her and they ended up sleeping together. And so Richard's like, oh, maybe, maybe I got her back. Oh, then the I next mean, day, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the, the next day, Bonnie was registering for summer classes and so they went back to, they went to Columbia and just like putzed around the campus together. She registered for her classes. They were together all day, went out for a nice meal. And like, so that day he's like, I want her back. Like this was like us, like getting back on yeah. track. And for her, it was one last time for old time's sake. Right. And yeah. so as you know, so they got back and got back to Bonnie's house and she again was like, no, I mean, I'm, I'm firm on my decision. I do not want to be exclusive with you. And so Richard again thought like, well, maybe, maybe she'll change her mind. You know, again, he's this whole time. He's like, I'm going to be able to change her mind. But I think after that day, spending the day together and like realizing that even like a really good day wasn't going to change things. he started realizing like, shit. Yeah. This is not gonna, this this ain't good. So that night when they got home, Bonnie told Richard that, that Bonnie's mom, Joan had told her like, Richard's got to go. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, who, this is just an, an itch. I've you know, just an inkling, but I bet Joan did not. I bet, I bet Joan was like on board with Richard leaving, but I bet that was Bo- Bonnie's way of being like, my mom said you have to go. Like, it's not yeah. me. Yeah. Like, it's just Bonnie's way of being like, cause my mom would do that for me in a heartbeat. If oh, I was like, mom. Oh, heck yeah. You know, Bobby would right. do that for oh, me. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't want this guy to hang out. Like, can you please just tell him like, uh, like I do that for you. Like, if yeah. you're like, Blame it on me. Yeah, blame I it on don't me. care. Blame yeah. it on me. And so I th- I'm guessing that's what happened here. So just like my mom said, you have to leave. Yeah. And so how that being said, with the previous night, Bonnie asked Richard to stay in her room with her, oh, which Bonnie. unfortunately would be a fatal mistake. So, and who knows if even if he wouldn't have stayed in her room that night, what would have happened? But so Bonnie was tired from that day, and she told Richard that she was going to go and head to bed. They, uh, in Bonnie's room, like the house, I'll post pictures of the house. It's like a really cool looking house, but it sounds like Bonnie's room was like up in the corner of the house. So there was like, kind of like a little staircase to get into her room. Okay. And so she had a big room and she had her bed and there was a day bed. And so Richard's like, I want to stay in here with you, but like you go to sleep. I'm going to just hang out on the day bed and I'm going to read a magazine like while you fall asleep. So he sat on the day bed and was reading sports illustrated while she fell asleep. And that was when Richard decided I think I want to kill her. So like came to him. It sounds like a passion killing from a guy that doesn't have a lot of passion. That is, that is interesting. And I think that's where we're going to leave off for episode one, because it gets crazier. Okay. The killing itself is rough. Oh, I think part one right into it. Okay. So I think part two will be the killing, the trial where things are at today. Awesome. So let's do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, you guys. Sorry about the cliffhanger. We'll be back with episode two shortly, but we look forward to sharing more about Bonnie's story with you on our next episode. All right. Tell your folks to say hey. Bye. Bye.